Your seatbelt fastens like this and unfastens like this. An invaluable lesson there for any of you who have never been in a car. In the very unlikely event of an emergency landing, your inflatable safety jacket is under your seat, and that is precisely where I recommend it stay, given that the largest body of water between here and Luton is an open-air swimming pool in Daventry. <laughs> Finally, please keep your mobile phone switched off for the duration of the flight. Obviously, they have no effect whatsoever on our navigational equipment, or we wouldn't let you have them. But they drive me up the wall. <laughs> Thank you, and enjoy your flight. Cabin Pressure by John Finnemore, starring Stephanie Cole as Carolyn, Roger Allen as Douglas, Benedict Cumberbatch as Martin, and John Finnemore as Arthur. This week, Boston. Fit and approach. This is Golf Echo Romeo Tango India. Climbing to 6,000 feet. Left turn, direct Luton. Okie dokie. Have fun. Carl. <sighs> Roger, Golf Tango India. Thank you. You're welcome. Don't fly into anything I wouldn't fly into. Post takeoff checks complete. Thank you, Douglas. Could you balance the fuel, please? <laughs> Douglas, the fuel. Sorry, Captain. Can't help you. <sighs> Simon says, could you balance the fuel? <laughs> By all means. You know, you can give up any time you like. It's been six trips. No, I can get you. Besides, I want another go. I know I could do better than last time. What? Even better than... Shall we play Simon Says, Martin? Okay, I'll go first, Douglas. Tell me when you're ready, Martin. I'm ready, Douglas. Oh. <laughs> I don't know, Martin. You've set the bar punishingly high. Oh, gentlemen. Oh, dear. What? It's always trouble when we're gentlemen. I prefer it when we're imbeciles. Or dolts. Dolts is good, yes. No, this is good news. I have another job for you. You've already got another job this week. Indeed you have. So stand by for another, another job. The fine people at Algonquin Charter Air have excellently grounded a Gulf Stream at Luton, which leaves them with a whole parcel of cross-Americans who aren't in America, but would like to be. And guess who's making their dream come true? Our very own selves. We can't do it. We can do it, we will do it, and we are doing it. Does that answer your question? It wasn't a question, Carolyn. It was a statement. The Istanbul trip is Thursday night. I know. We get back Thursday morning. But we have to have 12 hours rest between trips. I know, because you are lazy, lazy pilots. <laughs> so, we get to Boston Wednesday morning, 12 hours break. Fly home Wednesday evening, arrive Thursday morning, 12 hours break. Off to Istanbul, perfect. But... I've got my EasyJet interview on Wednesday afternoon. Ah, oh, well, EasyJet, easy go. <laughs> you can still do that. I don't care what you do in your 12 hours. You can sleep or try to sneak away from my company like a snivelling rat. It's all the same to me. Douglas, help me out here. Oh, nice try. Damn! <laughs> Please tell me you're not still playing Simon Says. I'm afraid I can't do that for two reasons. Good evening, sir. Welcome on board today. Good evening, madam. Welcome also to you today on board. Good evening, sir. Welcome to being on board to you today. Oh, uh, sir, excuse me. Yeah, what? Uh, may I inform yourself that NGN does run a fully comprehensive non-smoking service, and as such a result of this, all cigarettes, cigars and cigarillos must be extinguished upon embarkation and retained in a state of extinguishment until termination of disembarkation. <laughs> Thank yourself for your cooperation. 
I'm not cooperating. No, not yet, but I'm sure you're going to in a minute. And then, thank you. Do you know how much I paid to be on this flight today? I bet it was loads. Yeah, good guess. It was loads. It was so much that it seems to me that uh, I can pretty much smoke where I like. Okay? But it, it's very dangerous to smoke on an aeroplane. No, it's not. I don't know what to say now. <laughs> how old are you, Sonny? Twenty-eight and a half. Well... I was smoking on airplanes for 20 years before you were born. Why do you think the no-smoking signs go on and off? Actually, ours don't, mostly. Although one of them flickers. <laughs> and there's one we can't turn on at all because it makes the cabin smell of fish. Well, that sure gives me confidence. So, uh, we're all done here, right? Yep. And I can smoke. Uh, Hello. Welcome on board. It's my pleasure to serve you today. Please do let me know, or a member of my team know, if we can help you at any time. Such as, for instance, by extinguishing that cigarette for you. Hey! Oh, dear. Arthur, get this gentleman a fresh glass of wine, please. This one seems to be a bit <laughs> cigarette-y. <laughs> Thank you so very much, and please do enjoy the rest of your flight. Douglas, could you give me the fuel check at the last waypoint? Simon says, give me the fuel check at the last waypoint. Certainly. Ten minutes early and 700 kilos up on flight plan. Nearly got you, though, didn't I? No. Ah, here we go again. Let's see what vital part's fallen off the old girl this time. Ah. What is it? Shall I tell you an interesting thing about this thin metal tube full of petrol we're flying hundreds of miles above the Atlantic what? Ocean? It's on fire. Douglas. Master caution fire, Captain. Smoke detector, passenger Lou. Ah. Caroline, we've got a... Yes, I know, I know. Keep your goggles on. It's just stroppy Mr. Lehman in 3B. Hang on. It's taken. Sir, please extinguish your cigarette. Take the paper cup off the smoke alarm, make a mental note that that trick never works, and return to your seat. Nope. Martin, give Douglas your hat. Do it. You didn't say Simon says. I am not playing your game. The man in the loo refuses to come out, so give Douglas your hat. I'm sure to you those two sentences follow another naturally, but I don't quite see the I don't need you to see. I need you to give Douglas your hat. I don't want to give him my hat. If it helps, I don't want to take his hat. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> Why don't people just blindly obey anymore? He needs your hat because I want the captain to go down there and strike terror into his heart. But I'm the captain. I am only too painfully aware that you are the captain, Martin. But Douglas actually looks and sounds like a captain. You're not going to strike terror into anyone's heart unless you chat them up in a bar. Right. Well, let's just see about that, shall we? Mr. Lehman. Yep. I notice you're no longer in the toilet cubicle, sir. I bet the guys call you Captain Hawkeye. Are you aware that ten minutes ago I was on the point of aborting the flight? Oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Looks wet down there. Because, sir, I was under the impression that the aircraft was on fire. No, it was just me 
Smoking. Yes, I know. Right, so you weren't on the point of aborting anything, now were you? Sir, as the commander of this vessel, I must demand... Okay, that's about enough. What are you gonna do, commander? Have me arrested? No. And I'll tell you why not. Because your tin pot little one-airplane outfit needs me and my business about a zillion times more than I need you. You think you can scare me by marching down here in your Fisher-Price when I grow up I want to be a pilot costume? Give me! a break! You're not the commander of anything. You're a little guy who can't get a game with the big boys and wears a uniform like a rear admiral to make up for the fact that he's basically just a flying cabbie. Am I right? No. No, you're not right. You're a very rude man. You can't speak to me like that. I'm the captain. Okay, captain. You run along now and, uh... Try not to cry into any important equipment. I'm not crying. Your smoke got in my eyes. How did it go? Fine. 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 Arthur? Well, anything you say five times is obviously true. Yes, <laughs> Right. Right. Arthur, did you see me inform Mr. Lehman about our non-smoking policy? Uh, well, I, was, I wasn't really looking. I mean... I certainly didn't notice if he made you cry. Or not. I mean, he probably didn't. I was not crying. His smoke got in my eyes. Smoke gets in your eyes. Shut up, Douglas! <laughs> now, Arthur, we've already had one fire scare on this trip. We can't afford to take chances. And since we know that Mr. Lehman has been fully informed of the policy and therefore certainly won't be smoking in the loo again... Actually, I think he might. No, Arthur, he won't. Mm. The thing is, though, Skip, with all due respect, but what I've got that you haven't is that Mum sent me on a course on understanding people in Ipswich. And if I ever want the people of Ipswich understood, you'll be the first person I call. Meanwhile... Yeah, yeah, but it means I can now read people. You know, like a book. Have you ever read a book, Arthur? <laughs> yes, actually. White Fang. Twice. <laughs> anyway... Bringing my people reading skills to the table, I'm able to reveal to you now that Mr. Lehman didn't show any of the five indicators of true resolve to change his behaviour patterns. And therefore, in a nutshell, I reckon he might smoke in the loo again. Listen carefully, Arthur. He definitely won't. And therefore, if the smoke alarm does go off again, it can only be a real fire. And so I'm authorising you, in that unlikely event, not to waste time knocking, just to override the door lock and immediately discharge the fire extinguisher into any flame you see. Ah, any flame I see. That's right. Even if it's just a little, tiny, glowy one. Aye, aye, Skipper. OK, he's up. He's on the move. OK, he's in. OK, Arthur. Stand by. OK. Stand by. Oh, no. Emergency. Emergency. The plane is on fire. Arthur, for the love of God, save us all. Yes, Skipper. Hey, what the... Ah! Ah! Oh, oh, God. I... Oh, my chest. Oh. Ah! Fire's out. Good evening. This is Captain Creef speaking. I'm sorry to have to tell you, a passenger has been taken ill. So if there is anyone with medical training on board, could they please come to the flight deck door? Thank you. Okay, we've moved him to the galley. How's he looking? 
Well, he's covered in firm and he's had a heart attack. Otherwise, great. Right, I was just thinking, maybe we ought to turn the plane round. Well, yes, of course, we should. Haven't you done it yet? Oh, right, right, because on the other hand, obviously, Carolyn's not going to like it much. Martin, that's irrelevant. It's a serious medical emergency. You ditch into the nearest airfield, and we're, what, 20 minutes off midway, so 40 minutes closer to home. There's no question we have to turn round. It's the decision I imagine you have come to, Captain. Yes, it is, exactly. Shanwick, this is Golf Echo Romeo Tango India. We have a serious passenger medical emergency and wish to return as soon as possible. Roger, Golf Tango India, stand by, I'll coordinate. Okay. Karen will understand, won't she? I mean, a life's at stake. I'm sure I saw a doctor on the load sheet. Here we are, 7A, Dr. Thomas Price. Where is he? Lying low, I should think. What? Why? Too scared of being sued. You're joking. No. Especially going to America. If he tries to treat him and anything goes wrong, he's looking at a huge malpractice suit. But surely no one will sue someone for trying to save their life. Let's face it, if anyone would, Mr. Lehman would. <laughs> Go and have a quick look at him for me, would you? <sighs> Simon says, Go and have a quick look at him for me, would you? Then Simon shall be obeyed. Golf Tango India, very little traffic on your track this evening. Maintain three. Three zero, turn right to Reykjavik, and when in rage, contact Iceland one one eight decimal zero five. Oh, Reykjavik, really? I was thinking we could just go back home. Well, Reykjavik's much closer. I thought you said it was a medical emergency. Okay, right. Yeah, Roger. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Captain Creef here again. I'm sure you'll understand that, as we have a passenger on board in need of urgent medical attention, we will have to make an unscheduled stop today in. Um, in Reykjavik, I do apologize for the inconvenience. And once again, if there is a person with medical training on board, please do make yourself known to us. Thank you. Reykjavik! Carolyn, hello. Reykjavik! 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 Carolyn, you sound like you're coughing up a hairball. <laughs> Why in the wide world are we going to Reykjavik? Because, and I know on a busy flight you may have missed this, your son hosed a passenger down with a fire extinguisher and gave him a heart attack. So I thought it might be a touching gesture if we tried to get into a hospital. And what's wrong with the hospitals in Boston? Nothing's wrong with them. They're terribly good, but they're 1,500 miles away. But do you have any idea what it'll cost to land in Iceland and find everyone accommodation and reroute tomorrow and miss Istanbul? A man may be dying back there. A horrible man. <laughs> Carolyn, just because a passenger is rude to you doesn't mean they deserve to die. Okay. Martin, listen. We are almost halfway. Boston can't be more than, what, just 40 minutes further? And putting aside the thousands and thousands of pounds it will cost, look at it from his point of view. He lives in Boston. If we carry on, he goes to hospital in his hometown. His family and his friends are right there. Friends? He's rich, he'll have friends. <laughs> if he goes to some hospital in Iceland, he'll be alone in a foreign land. His family will have to fly over to be with him. Maybe they'll be too late. All for the sake of 40 minutes. Shanwick, this is Golf Tango India. We wish to cancel our emergency. We'd like to continue to Boston. Better now, is he? That's nice. <laughs> Roger, Golf Tango India. Route direct to 51 North 30 West and resume your previously cleared track. Good command decision, Captain. See you later. Sorry to disturb you again, ladies and gentlemen. 
Just to let you know that we will, after all, be continuing our journey to Boston. And I repeat, if there's a doctor on board and they retain even a hazy memory of their Hippocratic Oath, it would be really super to see them in the galley. Thank you. What are you doing, Martin? I'm trying to flush out Dr. Price. No, why are you turning back to Boston? Oh, well, I was just thinking it over, and I realised it's actually almost Carolyn as quick got to... to you, didn't she? What? No, she didn't get to me. She just happened to make a couple of valid Martin, points. Martin, turn and... the plane round. No, I've made a command decision, It's and... the wrong decision. Boston's an extra 40 minutes away. Yes, well, 40 minutes, that's not all If that... he dies 30 minutes out of Boston, just as he would be getting into the ambulance in Reykjavik, what are you going to tell his family? Hello, Shanwick. It's Golf Tango India here again. Ah, oh, if it isn't the bouncing bomb. <laughs> Where can we tempt you with this time? Tenerife's very nice this time of year. Reykjavik will be fine, thank you. Are you sure now? I mean, don't rush into anything, because I have literally nothing better to do with my time than ping you around the Atlantic Ocean all the live long day. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Captain Kreef once again, just to let you know that I misspoke a little just now. We will, in fact, be diverting to Reykjavik Airport as planned. Oh, I know, trying to save someone's life is such a chore, isn't it? Speaking of which, if there is, in fact, and despite the deafening silence so far, a doctor on board, and if that doctor has quite finished his chicken casserole, blueberry cheesecake, and, ooh, coffee with milk, no sugar, then maybe such a hypothetical doctor might like to stop flicking through the duty-free catalogue and thoughtfully pulling on his sandy moustache and walk the hypothetical seven rows to join me with the patient here in the galley. But if there isn't a doctor on board, then never mind. Hello? Oh, hello. Mr. Price, is it? Dr. Price? Oh, a doctor! Good Lord, what a stroke of luck. The very thing we're looking for. <laughs> well, this is the patient. Okay, let's have a look, okay? Uh-huh. What do you think? I think probably a bridge. A bridge? Yeah, a tunnel's obviously out of the question, but if you really need to get past him, you could use a couple of drinks, trolleys, and a stretcher to rig up a rudimentary cantilever bridge. That at least is my professional opinion as a PhD in civil engineering. <laughs> or has one of us made some sort of really embarrassing mistake? I'm so sorry, I... Yeah, oh, and by the way, I don't know anything about medicine, but this guy doesn't need a doctor. What? Not anymore. <laughs> Turn the plane around. You're not listening to me. No, and far more importantly, you're not turning the plane around. Do it, now. I can't turn the plane around. Martin, if there is one thing you've proved on this trip over and over again, it's that you can turn the plane around. <laughs> Or were we just caught in a slow-motion hurricane? But Mr. Lehman... He's dead. God rest his grumpy soul. So he doesn't need an ambulance. He doesn't need a hospital. All he needs is to be taken home to Boston. Douglas, you could tell her we no longer have enough fuel left to get to Boston safely. Yes, thank you, Carolyn. But we, we no... do. <laughs> thank you so much. Sorry, but she's right. We should go to Boston. Ah, uh -huh. Fine, fine. We'll go to Boston, but only if... Yes? Douglas talks to Shanwick. Douglas? My pleasure. Hello, Shanwick. Greetings once again from the merry men of Yo-Yo Airways. <laughs> well, goodbye then. I feel someone should um, say a few words. Hamilton R. Lehman, 
born 1943 in America, probably, <laughs> died 2008 in the sky. Definitely. <laughs> Non-vegetarian option. <laughs> I didn't know you for very long, Mr. Lehman, but I'll always remember you as, as a shouty man. <laughs> you love to shout. Shout and smoke, those were your twin passions. And so, in a way, I suppose you died doing what you loved. Shouting and smoking and covered in foam. I don't know if you like that. You probably didn't. Still, goodbye. Rest in peace. Thank you for flying MJ in here. Do you think we'll make it in time? Remember how I didn't know three minutes ago? No new information has come in since then. Right. You all right? Yeah, it's just, you know, hasn't been a great trip, has it? I think possibly I made a few... Well, I didn't exactly... I've got this interview when we get back, if we get back in time, which I doubt, and I just wondered if, as a captain, there's things... I mean, I only ask because, of course, you were a captain for a while. And I just wondered if... I mean, this is a bit difficult, but... Could you give me some advice? Well, the main thing is you've got to stop asking for advice. Great, thanks. That's okay. You can start as soon as I've given you mine. You're the captain, Martin. And one of the many excellent things about being captain, along with the irresistible sexual magnetism and first crack at the cheese tray, is that you're always right. So by all means, take opinions, but remember, you don't have to listen to Carolyn, you don't have to listen to ATC, you don't even, and savour this because I shall never say it again, you don't even have to listen to me. You're the boss. What you say goes. Yes. Yes, you're right. Okay. Thank you. But, uh, Douglas? What? Simon says, could you give me some advice? Oh. <laughs> well done. My turn, my turn. All right. Tell me when you're ready. Simon says, tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Come again? I'm ready. Oh! <laughs> Goodbye, thank you for flying MJ and Goodbye, thank you for flying MJ and Goodbye, thank you for flying MJ and Goodbye, thank Oh, that's it. <laughs> all done, man. And we're all finished at the pointy end with a cheeky little 12 minutes in hand before we go out of hours. Great. Well, the paramedics are back there in the galley with Mr. L, so as soon as they're ready... Oh, speak of the devils. Well, the angels. Are you Carolyn Nash happy? Yes. Did you call up an ambulance crew, ma'am? Yes, I did. And why did you do that? Why? Well, because... I, well, I mean, look at him. We are looking at him, and we'd like to know what you expect us to do with him. I have to tell you, I really don't mind. Once he's off my plane, as far as I'm concerned, you can let your imagination run wild. Ma'am... <laughs> He's dead. He's been dead some time. We are an emergency service. This guy, not so much an emergency. Well, what am I supposed to do? Carry him to the hospital over my shoulder? Ma'am, you need to contact the coroner's office. They'll send out a vehicle. When? I don't know. When they can. You just give them a call tomorrow morning. See when they can do. Tomorrow morning? Yeah. They'll be all closed up now. So what are we supposed to do? Just leave him here until they're ready for him? Absolutely not. Good. You're going to need to remain in attendance. What? 
We, we, we can't, we can't. Just one moment, if you please. Yeah, Martin, don't. Sir? Madam, I don't think you appreciate that I am the captain of this aircraft, not her. Yeah, and? And, and, I just saw him move. <laughs> no, you didn't. I absolutely did. This man's been dead for some time, sir. I don't think so. I am telling you, I just saw him move. What movement did he make? He did a little wave. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, I do think so, and I am an airline captain, the commander of this vessel, and I am willing to swear anywhere that he absolutely did. He gave me a little wave, and then he pointed at you, and then he tapped his watch as if to say, why aren't I in the hospital already? <laughs> and then he relapsed into his unconscious state. So it seems to me you can either refuse to take him, and I can while away the hours I spend waiting with him filing a complaint against you for negligence, which will tie us all up in endless red tape until I eventually agree that maybe what I saw was just rigor mortis. Or you can take him with you now in your big empty ambulance to the hospital to which you are going anyway, and we can all hope and pray he doesn't die on the way. Okay, Lucas, patient seen exhibiting vital signs. Get him on the gurney. Thank you so much. Where is he? Well, if last night's anything to go by, he's telling the whole story to every third person he meets. It slows him down a tad. While we're waiting, can I just have a quick look in duty three? No, Arthur, you do not need any more Toblerones. <laughs> Mum, they've got the white ones. <laughs> Aha! There you all are. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Martin. Still feeling pretty chipper, I see. And why ever not? Twelve hours restful rest, a beautiful blue sky to fly in, and a certain sense of a job rather well done. Yes, Martin, we're all delighted by your newfound butchness. Now, can we please just get through customs and go home? Is this your bag, sir? Yes, yes. I'm sorry, Callan. Do I detect a note of tetchiness? Surely you haven't already forgotten how I single-handedly saved you from losing out on a trip worth tens of thousands of pounds. I'm just going to take a look through it. Yeah, fine. Not yet, you haven't. We've still got to get back on time. You needn't worry about that, Carolyn. Clear skies, no wind, no pesky passengers to peg out midway. Istanbul awaits us. As indeed do the good people of EasyJet await me, anyway. What's this? What? What's this. Well, since you ask, it's a nose hair clipper, okay? It can't go in your hand luggage. You need to put it in the hole. <laughs> They're nasal clippers. What am I supposed to do with nasal clippers? I'm sorry, sir. That's federal law. <laughs> you do realize we have an axe on the flight deck, don't you? <laughs> what? Of course, Captain, there is a time and a place for the strong arm tank. We have a fire axe, so you're stopping me from equipping myself with the deadly power of the nose hair strimmer on board a plane where I can, should the mood take me, brandish an axe. I am not sure what you're telling me, sir. He's not telling you anything. He doesn't want his silly old clippers anyway, repulsive object. Come on, Martin, before you say anything And besides you might... that, I'm the one flying the bloody thing. If I want to crash the plane, I don't even need an axe. I just need to push on the big metal column in front of me. And there it is. Sir, I am arresting you under Section 6 of the Anti-Terrorism Act of 2002. What? You were heard in the presence of witnesses to make a threat against the safety of the aircraft. Please come with me, uh, sir. You idiot, Martin. You colossal idiot. But, but I've got to fly the plane in 40 minutes. Oh, no, sir. I don't think so. Come with me, please. Come back. Come back. Bring it back. So, 
Arthur. Shall we take a look at those Toblerones? <laughs> that was Cabin Pressure by John Finnemore. It starred Stephanie Cole as Carolyn, Roger Allen as Douglas, Benedict Cumberbatch as Martin, John Finnemore as Arthur. It also featured Ewan McIntosh as Carl, Kerry Shale as Hamilton R. Lehman, and Matilda Ziegler as the paramedic. The producer was David Tyler, and the programme was a positive production for the BBC. Yeah.